0: Hey what's up everybody, welcome back to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, September 9th, 2020, and today's show is brought to you in part by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. My name is Danny Webster, and I appreciate you stopping by for today's episode in which we get you ready for Game 3 of the Western Conference Final between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. Puck drop is tomorrow night. At 5 p.m. at Rogers Place, where the Golden Knights and the Stars will both look to take a 2-1 series lead in the conference final. Now, normally teams take a 2-1 lead in a series in the NHL or in the driver's seat. Now, teams go up 2-1 in a best of seven when they win game three, win the series 67.4% of the time. So, in a sense, if you are the winner, you're looking pretty good at this current juncture, but... For Peter DeBoer, he has been in this situation before. You'll recall last year in the Western Conference Final when the San Jose Sharks took on the eventual Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues, the Sharks took a 2-1 lead after winning 5-4 in overtime. You'll also remember that game was decided by the controversial no-call hand pass that put San Jose up 2-1 in St. Louis. Now, unfortunately, if you are a Sharks fan, which I'd be kind of surprised if you were a Sharks fan listening to this podcast, but if you are a Sharks fan, you'll also remember the doom and gloom that were the final three games of that series, losing 2-1 to one in Game 4, getting shut out at home in Game 5, and then losing 5-1 to one in Game 6 against a depleted... or San Jose was the depleted team. St. Louis was a buzzsaw that was coming at San Jose in waves, and by the time they lost you know, three different players in that final game... The game was pretty much over when DeBoer was hired in January. His pitch to Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee was that he can get a team deep into the playoffs. And his, his resume stands for itself. He's been to the Stanley Cup final twice. He hasn't won the Stanley Cup yet, but he's been there with the New Jersey Devils. They ran into a buzzsaw. That was the Los Angeles Kings that were the eighth seed that year that ended up going on to win the cup. And then he also took the Sharks to the Stanley Cup final a few years ago uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was the first of their back-to-back reign as cup champions. Whether you love him as the Golden Knights coach, or you still loathe him for being on enemy lines for two and a half years, the success that Peter DeBoer carries with him speaks for itself. And now he's three wins away from taking a third different team to the cup final and not only just taking it to the cup final he's three wins away from taking a team in his first year of coaching and I and really you can't even count this as being a full year of coaching because he came in halfway through the season but the record books will show he is three wins away from taking a third different franchise to the Stanley Cup final in his first year with the team I mean he's personable He's a coach that commands respect in the locker room and he has earned the respect of his players in a short amount of time. And I mean, you'll ask the guys in the locker room as, you know, over the course of the la- of the following two months that the Golden Knights played hockey before corona- before uh, COVID-19 shut everything down. The-, the talk about this was that DeBoer actually got along with all the players in the locker room. Now, again, tensions were probably high. You fired Gerard Gallant. Uh, amidst a back-to-back playoff run, a Stanley Cup final run in year one, he wins a Jack Adams award in year one, and then all of a sudden in year three when things are going on the wayside uh, during a four-game losing streak you fire him and you bring the guy in that Gerard Gallant called a clown before game seven of the infamous uh, infamous first-round game last year. But what what's interesting about all this is that when DeBoer was asking, or when DeBoer was asked to give his pitch to McCrimmon and McPhee, the one thing that he said was that he pushes the right buttons come playoff time. He's pushed the right buttons so far when it comes to which goalie starts and which goalie, which goalie starts when. No matter what you think about the situation between Mark Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard, the the, the results are there. Robin Leonard has been the better goalie to this point, and the decision to play him over Marc-Andre Fleury has been good. Could Fleury have been just as good? Absolutely, without question. But right now, he's what, 8-4, and 9-4 and four in the playoffs? He's doing everything right, putting Leonard in the net to this point. He pushed the right button when it came to leaving Derek Anglin, who has been a Vegas stalwart and really the ambassador for this team since year one with everything that happened with one October and with everything that has happened since then to put Derek England as a healthy scratch and put up 23 year old Zach Whitecloud, who has become a very good young defenseman before our eyes. That was a great call. And then he pushed the right buttons when thinking the fourth line was the right line to start almost every game. I think, uh, I think Steve Wino, the associated press, <laughs> Said it today, I think, what was it, 36 of 37 games? DeBoer has started the fourth line, which is could mean career suicide, but it has worked out well in his favor to this point. And I mean, it's almost, it, it it's not just almost unfair. I, I would call it very unfair to compare him to Gerard Gallant until we get the final product of what we see as a result of the end of the season. They coached two different styles, one that the Golden Knights weren't accustomed to playing before uh, DeBoer came along, which was the, the high-octane speed, rolling the forward lines, trying to get aggressive on the forecheck, trying to wear teams down with the speed, whereas DeBoer has said from the get-go, he wants to pl- have a team that plays a heavy style, that will be ready to hit you in the mouth, and really be the intimidating factor In a game, which is why he starts the fourth line so much because he wants to set the tone whenever those three get on the ice. This heavy style and wearing teams down physically has worked. And it's why they've been able to command the game's tempo when playing a team like Chicago, a team like Vancouver, and as we saw in game two, a team like Dallas. DeBoer was two wins away last year for getting back to the cup final. Knock on wood with the understanding. That a win doesn't guarantee anything. But Vegas would be right on the doorstep. With a win tomorrow night. And to imagine. Where this team has been. From January 15th. When Gerard Gallant. Who knows how he got fired. There was no picture of a cab anywhere. He gets fired in Buffalo. Doesn't make the trip to Ottawa. Peter DeBoer is hired. The very next day. And who would have thought that. Back on January 15th, I know with the pause and COVID and everything, but who would have thought that the Golden Knights with a win tomorrow night could be two wins away from returning to the Stanley Cup final and the coach leading the helm would be Peter DeBoer. 2020 has been a very weird year. This would be the icing on the cake. And we have a lot more to discuss with game 3 tomorrow night and we will do that in just a moment but first friends today's episode is brought to you in part by Built Bar a long standing supporter of this podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network now I get it protein bars energy bars etc are always the same they're chalky they don't have a lot of flavor not Built Bar Built Bar is a protein bar, coated in chocolate, and tastes like a candy bar. They have a new look and a new feel, and now six new flavors. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp, which sounds chef's kiss. Ah, Amazing. Don't forget the originals, too. German chocolate, peanut butter, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, and my favorite, orange. Again, very simple, but orange. Orange should be good with everything, almost everything. When you're talking with chocolate or whatever, orange is perfect. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. And right now, listeners to this podcast can get $10 off their first order, when you enter promo code LOCKEDON at checkout, when you go to BuiltBar.com. You'll also get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, enter promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off. That's B-U-I-L-T, bar.com, promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. And as a reminder, friends, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter as well at DannyWebster21. If you'd like to send an email for possible future mailbags, uh, LockedOnGoldenNights at gmail.com is the place to do it. And again, I'm glad you are here hanging out with me this evening, this morning, whichever, the, whenever time you're listening to this podcast, especially after I didn't think I was going to do a show today because I mentioned yesterday's show. I was going to go to the dentist and get a root canal because that's always fun. Uh, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good, glad to uh, be here to get you guys ready for game three tomorrow night, which is what we are still going to discuss right about now. Now, I don't have any idea what kind of game we're going to see tomorrow. In my mind, Vegas is capable of playing the same way they did in game two. They're very capable of clogging the neutral zone, limiting Dallas in the shot department, not giving them any dangerous chances. And knowing that they can play the same way that they did on, on what, Tuesday night, and they can put a stranglehold in this series by Saturday night, if that is to be the case. But Dallas has been a weird team all playoffs, and I talked about this before game one. Dating back to round one against Calgary, they were down 2-1 in that series, and then all of a sudden the offense, which was a complete and utter abomination before the pause and at some in instance, really. Starting with a round robin and into the first three games against Calgary, the offense all of a sudden found its groove and dominated its way to three straight wins, knocking out Calgary. And then we saw what they did against Colorado now, albeit depleted as they were to go in and score, what, five goals in three or four of those games. They were really good offensively. But as we've seen with the Golden Knights, they're not going to make life easy On these teams they're facing them in it doesn't really matter which team it is the Golden Knights are going to have to win a lot of 2-1 a lot of 2-0 games a lot of 1-0 games if they want to beat Dallas because they're still good defensively and they're still going to be a giant pain when it comes to matching up with them now even though Dallas has been able to put up those numbers Rick Bonus, Rick Bonus, I should say Switched his lines in hoping to match up with Vegas. They can't match physicality with the fourth line. And I'm a huge fan of that fourth line. But they're heavy enough that defensively they can match up with the top line, with the top nine, I should say. And it's really anybody's game, especially with Dallas now being the home team. They get last change. They get all the benefits of being the home team. We've seen what that means for the Golden Knights to that point. how it translates with Dallas now being the home team in games three and four, that remains to be seen. But as I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of Dallas's fourth line. Like the, one of the biggest changes that Bonus did uh, leading up to Game One of the Conference Final was put Yolki Kiviranta, the hero from Game Seven against Colorado, putting him on the line with Rupe Heinz and Dennis Giryanov. Kiviranta doesn't look like he's relinquishing that spot to Andrew Cagliano, and I mean that that's that's really saying a lot because Cagliano's being a veteran, being a presence. Uh, that Dallas acquired last season to kind of put them in this position to lead them into a playoff chase even though he's not going to scream like 15-20 goals on a fourth line he brings that physicality he brings that locker room presence that you want on that team Kiviranta has been fantastic and again that hat trick he scored in game 7 otherworldly that speed of that fourth line is so deadly I, I am I am fascinated every time I watch that group play. And it, and again, they haven't resulted in the goals yet. That line has not scored yet in this series. If they keep up the speed and they keep up the pressure and they keep up the forecheck and they keep just dominating going north and south because those three guys are so fast, they don't need to play east-west. They can beat you on the forecheck. Even if they're going against Vegas's fourth line, they can beat you with their speed going north and south. And if you do that and you put the odd man rush in their favor or you at least get like a 2-on-2 or a 3-on-3, Guiriano's scoring ability gives you that extra oomph on that fourth line. I mean, he has eight goals. I believe he still leads Dallas in playoff goals this year. He's been fantastic. Heinz was a breakout performer last year. I still love his game when he's he's got the puck on his stick. He is so deadly uh, when he's going north-south. Again, Kiviranta... Mm -hmm. If you want to put him in the circle and set him up for a one-timer, he's clearly shown that he's got the ability to do that. But the key here, as we've seen so far through two games, if you keep John Klingberg and Mira Heiskanen quiet and force the forwards to beat you, which sounds ridiculous, which sounds ridiculous given the talent that this Dallas team has, but if you let Klingberg, if you can keep Klingberg and Heiskanen quiet, that's where the advantage goes to Vegas. And again, it sounds crass, but if you let Tyler Sagan, you let Jamie Benn, and you let Alex Radulov, find a way to put a crack in the armor. That is the golden Knights defense, which we talked about yesterday, how important, how great that team defense has been, especially with how well Flurry and Leonard have been playing to this point. But if you let Tyler Sagan, who has been very quiet to this point, if you let Jamie Ben, who has had a really up and down tenure, even since the pause and up till now. And if you let Alex Radulov, who can be great in one night. And as we saw in game two, can commit some really boneheaded penalties and put their team, put his team in a hole. If you can put it on them to beat you, that is where Vegas is going to have the advantage. And again, if Tyler Sagan was playing up to the level that he is capable of playing and he was not having seven points in 17 games, that is, would be a completely different factor. But the fact that Sagan is now a third line guy, Ben is kind of fluctuating between the second and third line. Rajilov's still on the top line because he's your best shooter from the from the from the circle. If if Sagan can't get going, then Dallas is in trouble because they're because they're already seeing the benefits from Vegas' side of them being clogged in the neutral zone and them not being able to set up quality shots From, you know, whether it be from the point or whether it be from the high slot, Vegas has been able to lock down Dallas through two games, even though the series says 1-1. If it continues, that's going to play in Vegas's hands, especially if those three goals they scored on Tuesday night eventually cracks the dam that they have been unable to score for the better part of 240 minutes of hockey. Again, that is, there's a lot to take from that if you're a Vegas fan and that's why you should feel confident going into game three tomorrow. It helps also, like I said, with Leonard and Flurry being as good as they are. And again, when Peter DeBoer started Mark Andre Fleury before game or for game one. Yeah, it was very shocking, but you think about how good he's been against Dallas in his career, how solid he's been, especially since he's been with Vegas, how good he's been against Dallas. It almost made sense. And the fact that he almost stole a game against Dallas with very tired teammates in front of him says really about how Vegas, even though they didn't play their best in game one, the fact that they still had a chance to win. That's the key. They still had a chance to win the game. And that really is all that matters. And for Vegas, they're going to need another strong game from that middle six, especially if DeBoer keeps the lines the way that they were in game two they worked like a charm if the Carlson line starts as as they did in the first two games so if Carlson Marshall, and Smith are starting again you're going to need another no- solid night from a guy like Pacioretty like a guy like Stassi. and Mark Stone and Alex Tuck on a line with Chandler Stevenson again we talked about the struggles of Chandler Stevenson but again that assist he had with uh with Nosek and Wah on the Nosek goal on Tuesday night was fantastic if you are going to win this game, you are going to need a solid night from that middle six, because right now, the Carlson line it's just it's not screaming off the page, and I don't know exactly what you need to do to get those guys going, but Jonathan Marshall solo needs to start scoring, Riley Smith could benefit from another goal or two it 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 comes down to can the Vegas depth, which has been so Praised up to this point, can they give another couple of strong performances like they did on Tuesday night, and translate it over to tomorrow night? I would still look at Marshall Soul as a guy that needs to be relied upon to make a bigger impact in this series and really in these playoffs. If the Golden Knights get to the Stanley Cup final, they are going to need 81 to start scoring. And again, maybe it's just a matter of getting one in the back of the net and the whole damn breaks. Just like on Tuesday, you score one and then you scored another on the power play and then you scored another one that looked like Golden Knights hockey. Maybe it takes one, and in the an instance of Marshall, so I think if you give him one, the the dam is going to break at some point. But if you can get third line production from two guys who should be your top six options and Pachareddy and Stasny, and they can make Wall look as good as he was in Game Two, there's no reason to think that if Vegas continues the game plan that they're on, that they should, that they they should absolutely win Game Three tomorrow night. There are many odd man rush chances when you're spending as much time suppressing the neutral zone and keeping things quiet in between the blue lines. So the Golden Knights will have to continue with getting traffic in front of Kudobin, which I think they did a little bit better job uh, on Tuesday night getting in front of Kudobin and try to make his life a little bit difficult. And really him getting pulled uh, before the third period on uh, Tuesday was not his fault. He played as well as he could, just the goals just happened, and then Bonus was just saying, Okay, well, better save him for game three. So the Golden Knights continue to get traffic in front of Kudobin and make his life rough. They're slowly getting there. They're slowly understanding that they're going to have to put bodies in front of the goalies if they want to start scoring a little bit more, and it's going to open up the ice for everyone involved. And that could open the ice for a guy like Marshall, so for a guy like Smith, for everyone who is in need of scoring on this team. If they can, they're slowly getting there, they can keep it up for maybe another couple of games, that dam is going to burst. And if that dam bursts, this is the Golden Knights team you want in the Stanley Cup Final. But now is the time to crank up that pressure and get things rolling because if the, Golden Knights, if the Golden Knights do not win tomorrow night, then there's going to be a whole lot of pressure for Game 4. But right now, I think they have the momentum. They have played really with the exception of one shot in two games. They have been the better team. It hadn't looked like it in Game 1, but if they take that same performance that they did in Game 2 and translate it over to Game 3, they are in a really good spot to win Game 3 tomorrow night. All right, some news and notes before we get out of here. We only got a couple things to touch on. We will start with the Eastern Conference Final and the Tampa Bay Lightning, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy. The Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm te- Oh, man. I... <laughs> The way this game ended, not only just the way this game ended, but the way that this game went throughout the course of the night. The Lightning are two wins away from returning to the Stanley Cup final. Nikita Kucherov with less than 10 seconds to go with the one-timer off a beautiful feed from from Ryan McDonough beats Semyon Varlamov. And the Lightning win 2-1 to one and take a 2 nothing lead in the Eastern Conference final. So far, the underdog mighty New York Islanders, are looking a little bit overmatched against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And again, with a team like this, with as much star power as it has, you should look like the underdog. But the fact that the Lightning were down to nine forwards in this game, they lost Braden Point, who leads the Lightning in scoring in the playoffs, and they lost Alex Kalorn about five minutes and change into the game for a game misconduct on boarding. I think it was against Brock Nelson. So you're down nine forwards. You're playing seven defensemen. But you got one red hot goalie right now. Andre Vasilevsky, 27 save performance. He was tremendous once again. And I tweeted it out last night because I was just for the sake of comparing goaltenders in Tampa Bay Lightning history. Andre Vasilevsky right now in these playoffs is 12 and three with a 1.86 GAA and a 932 save percentage. And I tweeted it out last night. The Lightning, when they won the Cup in 2004, they had a lot of talent. Obviously, St. Louis, uh, Le Cable, uh Fedotenko, Brad Richards, who won the con Smythe that year. But if Nikolai Habibulin did not play the way that he did in that playoffs, in that in that postseason, the Lightning probably don't beat the Calgary Flames in the Stanley Cup final. He was tremendous that entire playoff run. And I think Javi Bulin was, I think he won, what, 16 and 7 in the playoffs. And he had like a GAA of less than 1.9. Save percentage was right at around where Vasilevsky is in 932. All I'm saying is right now, a lot of the attention, and deservedly so, I should say, is going on Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov is for like cons Smythe favorites. If Andre Vasilevsky continues to play at this pace and puts up these numbers. I would strongly encourage that the Lightning win the Stanley Cup. Give the cons mind to Andre Vasilevsky. Because he is on another level right now. Which is something that for the last number of years. The Lightning have been hoping for Vasilevsky to become that shut down dominant goalie. That we all know he can be. I mean he won the Vesna last year. So it's not like it's out of the realm of possibility. But if Vasilevsky who is one of Vesna, Who is one of the best goalies in the league. If he starts playing. Like Nikolai Habibulin did in 2004, I find it hard-pressed to find a team that can beat the Lightning in the Stanley Cup Final. But they are two wins away from getting back to the Cup Final. Tampa in the driver's seat up 2 nothing with a thrilling 2-1 to win uh, tonight against New York. And we'll close it out with uh, a report from Jesse Granger from The Athletic, or Jesse, we've had on the show before, who's reported this morning that the Golden Knights and Robin Leonard have begun conversations of a possible long term contract. And sources tell The Athletic that the feeling is mutual. Now, the, the ramifications we know are there. Marc Andre Fleury is still at $7 million per year for the next two seasons. There's not a lot of wiggle room to sign Leonard. Pay the money for uh, find the money for Chandler Stevenson and Nick Cousins who are RFAs, and then also find a way to keep Tomas Nosek if you want to do that. And we talked about, we talked about it before on this podcast about the possibility of trading marc Andre Fleury might come to reality, and especially now with the whole situation where Alan Walsh is tweeting the photo and uh, you know the sword and everything else in that matter, it makes the possibility of Fleury finishing out or finishing out this season and then possibly asking for a trade, which I believe he has a 10 team, uh, no movement clause. So, um, uh, his agent Walsh and flurry will have to submit a 10 team list for flurry not to go to. Um, but if the, if the, uh, reports of this come to fluidity, as Jesse has said, he thinks a five year deal could be in the works and, and the starting salary might be five million dollars AAV, which is exactly the amount of number with the amount of money that Leonard signed with Chicago in July 1 of last year. This is not surprising in the least, because the Golden Knights knew that when they traded for Robin Leonard on February 24th, they were going to make some tough decisions in the offseason. Whether it be uh, keeping Marc-Andre Fleury and keeping Robin Leonard, or keeping one and trading the other, or keeping one and letting the other walk to free agency. But I don't think anybody anticipated Robin Leonard being the number one goalie in a deep playoff run for the Golden Knights. He seemed like the guy that would work better for Pete DeBoer in his system, and right now it is paid off for the Golden Knights. Leonard has craved stability. He's been on, what, three teams in four years in Buffalo, in New York, and now Chicago, and it looks like he could get that with Vegas if things come to fruition. Again, Vegas is going to have to clear some cap. I always said that you know, maybe if you trade one guy that, if you trade a forward that's making a good chunk of change, and we've, I've mentioned the names of four. I think Alex Tuck has taken himself well off the trade block. And then Paul Stasny uh, is someone who, again, making $6.5 million, uh, expiring next year, hard to kind of get that cap book off the, or take that cap hit off the books. If you can find a way to get Leonard the years he craves and the money that he's deserving of, then I think you have a little bit of wiggle room to make something happen, but as it looks, and I think we've seen the writing on the wall for a little while, it is going to require a trade for Mark Andre Fleury to another team, and I'm not sure exactly who that would be. My be- my best guess would be if Carolina can find a way. And I'm not, say- I'm not, I'm, re- I'm not reporting anything. I'm not saying anything. But if I had to make a guess, if I'm the Carolina Hurricanes, and if I got the money to either move on from Peter Morazic or James Reimer or possibly even trade them back one of those back to Vegas in a deal to give them a backup I would think about long and hard about going for Marc-Andre Fleury in a trade again nothing confirmed nothing ideal but that is the team that I think would benefit greatly from a guy like Fleury who is still shown in these playoffs that he's got a lot left in the tank so That will be a development we will be keeping an eye on as the days go by. But that, my friends, will do it for me today. So thank you all for downloading, sharing, listening, subscribing. All the jazz is greatly appreciated. Again, follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. Follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Send an email to LockedOnGoldenNights at gmail.com if you so wish to do so. Game three of the Western Conference Final tomorrow night on NBC Sports Network five o'clock this is about 5 10 puck drop if you want to be uh, more specific we will be back for a post game pod tomorrow night to get you uh to either talking about the Golden knights taking a 2-1 lead or down 2-1 with game four coming on saturday so that will do it for me everybody thank you very much for hanging out with me today we will be back tomorrow for post game of game three until then I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a good night, everybody.